Now, today is a very special day because we have a guest speaker. Actually, I think he has spoken to us about twice already. And, of course, uh, some of you know him. He is Dr. Lloyd Estrada. And so allow me to introduce him through some significant turning points of his life over the past three decades. In 1986, after several years in the corporate world, he responded to God's call to serve full-time in gospel ministry. He served as a pastor and church planter in Baguio City, in Balayan, Batangas, in Manila, as well as in Pasay City. In 1996, he joined the staff of Green Hills Christian Fellowship and is the founding pastor of GCF East in Taytay Rizal and also GCF Cebu here, uh, of course. And I think he pastored here for a couple of years at Waterfront, uh, if I'm not mistaken. In 2006, he and his wife, Dal, uh, joined Wycliffe uh, Bible Translators International now known as Wycliffe Global Alliance. He assumed a Bible uh, translation advocacy roles here in the Philippines, in the Asia Pacific, and in the Americas. As Wycliffe uh, missionaries, he and his wife Dal lived in Costa Rica for a few years. Entonces el habla español muy bien. Did I get it right? <laughs> no, I'm just reading this. You might have thought I already spoke in tongues. In 2016, as a preacher and teacher of the word, it is no surprise that Pastor Lloyd joined the worldwide campaign for better Bible engagement. He now serves as the global Bible engagement advocate of the World Evangelical Alliance and as the Asia-Pacific director of Back to the Bible International. Pastor Lloyd is married to his best friend and partner in ministry, Dal, they have been married for 30 years now, and they have two adult sons, Ian and Alan. So without much ado, let's all warmly welcome uh, Pastor Lloyd Estrada. Good morning. Buenos dias. Mucho gusto. It's a joy to, to be here this morning. It's, it's a privilege for, for me to be worshiping the Lord with you. Um, it's, I, I, I just remembered a, a verse in the, in the Psalms where the Psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad you're here this morning? Well, I'm glad uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, one is uh, for, for the privilege and the honor that uh, Pastor Mel, Sister Maria has given me to share your pulpit uh, today. Uh, this week, and and it's it's a privilege, really, for me to be ministering uh, God's word to to you today. I, but more importantly, I rejoice because God has invited me. God has invited all of us into His presence uh, this morning, and therefore I echo the words of the song that we sang earlier. Now my soul cries out, Hallelujah, praise and honor. To Thee, our God, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen? Amen. We rejoice in that. Uh, let me begin by embarrassing my family because uh, they are watching uh, this morning. Uh, let me show you a few pictures of my family as I proudly introduce them. Uh, our, our, young, our older son is Ian. Uh, he is 28 years old. He is now married to a fine lady from Dumaguete City, Athena, and they have been married for almost two years now, and uh, they, s they still don't have any children, uh, which is fine with me because I am still not ready to sleep beside a grandmother. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sit hard, <laughs> sorry po. Uh, our, our second son is, is Alan, um, Alan is the inspiration behind my haircut. Ayan, see, see. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is 26 years old. Uh, he he works as a software engineer in, 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 and is based in Massachusetts in the U.S. Uh, and then a picture of my wife and I. Uh, 
um, she, Dal should actually be with us this weekend, but because our younger son came home from the U.S. last Monday, she decided to spend more time with our, our son, Alan, because, uh, because his, we, we, we're not together uh, most of the time. If you notice, I could, not, I could not show you pictures of the four or the five of us because we're, we're in different places uh, all the time. So I, I thank God and praise God for a family that he has blessed me with. Uh, it's, it's humbling uh, for, for me to acknowledge that a person like me would, would be blessed uh, by the Lord with a wife and two sons uh, like, like Ian and Alan. Uh, we're glad to be in the house of the Lord because worship celebrations like this are an occasion for us to thank and praise the Lord. I mean, we thank the Lord for the week that has passed, for what He had done, uh, for how He has revealed Himself to us. We thank the Lord for that, for all of those things. At the same time, we gather together in a place like this to pray, uh, asking God for His blessings for, for the week that has just started. And we ask for His strength, we ask for His wisdom, we ask for His provisions, and, and uh, thanksgiving and prayer uh, should characterize our meetings like this. And notice uh, that in our text this morning, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, this is the same thing that the Apostle Paul did in regard to the Thessalonian Christians. So let's read our text this morning, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Verse 1 begins, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in, in our prayers. Let's pause for a moment. How often did he thank God for the Thessalonian Christians? Always. Always. How often is always? Always. Right? Always. Every day. Always. And then he, uh, he says here, and I continually mention, or we continually mention you in our prayers. How often did he pray for the Thessalonian Christians? Continually. Always. Right? So we see here in relation to the Thessalonian Christians, in the life of the Apostle Paul and his colleagues, a pattern of thanksgiving and prayer. He always thanked God for them. He always prayed for them. Thanksgiving, prayer. Two activities that should also characterize our lives as, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanking God at all times and praying to God all the time. Now, let's continue. Um, by the way, do, do you do this for one another? No? Could, could you tell your seatmate, I thank God for you. Ayan. Ayan, no? Meron pang pahalik-halik dyan, eh, no? And then, say to another seatmate, the, the one with an attitude, say to him, I am praying for you. <laughs> So I saw mothers uh, tapping their teenage children. I'm praying for you, Thank, thanking God and praying to Him. Verse 3, uh, we remember before God, our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere 
Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the Word of God. I want us to focus on one word, impact. Everybody say impact. Sister Angeles, ¿cuál es el palabra de impact en español? Impacto. Yeah. That's the word, the Spanish word for um, impact. Um, tengo gran impacto. <laughs> so, um, question. Has Living Word Christian Church made an impact in your life? We thank God for that. Right? We thank God for the kind of impact that Living Word has made in your life. Now, would you like to pray and would you like to see Living Word grow in having more positive impact in the community? How about you guys here? I, I mean, I heard yeses here. Do you want Living Word to grow in impact uh, in the community, in the country, and in the world? Yes. So what now? Uh, what do we do? I mean, when we look at, at the Word of God, let's, let's learn from the Thessalonian Christians on how they have made a positive and tremendous impact on the lives of the people all around them and even in, in areas beyond their, their immediate location. Obviously, Paul was very happy with this church. Okay? Let's look at the first two verses again. He says here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you. No, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Paul, Silas, and Timothy obviously were celebrating this church. They were celebrating this, 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 this community of believers. And when we read something like this, this gives us reason to pause and reflect on our own church family, our church community. We ask ourselves, does, does our community know that living word exists? Does, does our community know or like what they know about living word? Does our community like our church? What do you think? Oh, don't answer if you are not sure of the answer. But there are some churches. Okay, There are some churches, and I've been to so many churches in several countries already, that when I think about them, when I think about living word, for example, and many other churches in, in different parts of the country, I break out in a smile because I celebrate them. I, I acknowledge that God is using them tremendously in building up His church. But sadly, there are also some churches that I know of who, 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 whose impact in the community is not positive. No, it's, it's a negative impact, and it's, it's embarrassing uh, for, for Christians to have such a bad reputation in, in their community. So, let's learn from the Thessalonians. How did they make a tremendous positive impact in the community? And if we are praying that Living Word and each one of us individually will have a positive impact in, in this world, uh, what should we be doing? Let's focus on verse 3 and learn why the Thessalonian church made a tremendous impact uh, during their time. Let's read verse 3 aloud together, please. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse gives us the natural three points. 
in understanding how how they made a positive impact on in, in, in their time. The first is because of their work produced by faith. Paul said, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Now, I understand that many Christians, uh, when they hear the word work or works, uh, they break out in allergies. You know, they... they Parang it's 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 hard for them to talk about works. Maybe because it's because of the religious background uh, where we, we may have come from, and many of you, for example, might uh, belong to a church where uh, the 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 people teach that if you are going to heaven, for you to have forgiveness of sins, you need to do good works, and so we we are allergic. To works, but uh, this is not the kind of works that Paul was commending the Thessalonian Christians for. Now, before we proceed uh, with that, let me first share a brief background on Thessalonica. Uh, here is a map of uh, Asia Minor during the time of the Apostle Paul. Thessalonica back then, uh, Thessalonica is up there, up there in the map. Uh, it was the largest and most populous city in, the, in Asia Minor. Okay? It was a thriving commercial center. It had a port. It, the port was a very busy one. And, and it was at the crossroads of a major trade route. And its location was very strategic. And as a strategic location, the city became a melting pot. People from different parts of Asia Minor, different parts of the world, uh, migrated to Thessalonica. They came with their, with their own languages, with their cultures, with their religions. It's like Cebu. People come from all parts of, of the country, Visayas, Mindanao, most especially. They come here from all sorts of background, and when they come, they bring their religious belief systems with them. And so, in Thessalonica, as, as we read here in chapter 1, people from all over the world came to Thessalonica uh, with their religious beliefs, which, according to Paul, uh, and according to biblical standards, were idolatrous. They, they turned to God from idols, and, and it was an idolatrous city. So, Going back to the question, what is this work produced by faith? Well, verse 9 actually clarifies this for us. Verse 9 tells us, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I noticed the unique sequence of this sentence. And uh, the sentence construction here is not accidental, but very, very intentional. Usually, when we're talking about transformation, we, we use the words uh, from to, right? From a caterpillar to a butterfly. From rags to riches. From poverty to wealth. From illiteracy to literacy. From, uh, you, you get the point, right? You, the, the normal sentence construction is from to. But in this particular sentence, baliktad, no? the, the construction is to, from. Okay? Uh, Paul said the Thessalonians turned to God from idols. And that is important. That's a very significant description because it tells me that the Thessalonians first discovered the glory, the majesty, the power, the beauty of our God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul started preaching the gospel to them and other Bible teachers explained the word to them, they realized and they understood the greatness of our God. And because they understood how great, how glorious, how majestic our God was, they embraced this God, they turned to God, they worshipped God, and when they started worshipping God, they started to think, this, this, practicing this idol worship, this is wrong. 
And so they turned away from idol worship and, 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 and continued worshiping our God. And, and so uh, this is really a picture of genuine conversion. Genuine conversion. And because of this genuine conversion, because of this living, active, biblical faith in this glorious God, they started to do, uh, they started doing good works. The good works that they were doing were produced by their faith in this glorious God. The good works did not, were, they were not doing good works in order to be saved, in order to please their God. They were doing good works because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we, we proudly claim to be the first Christian nation in the Far East. Uh, it used to be that we claimed that we were the only Christian nation in the Far East, but with the independence of Timor-Leste, uh, which is also predominantly Christian, we, we now claim to be the, the first Christian nation in the Far East. But when you examine the religious beliefs of, and practices of the Philippines, then maybe we should pause and reflect and, and tone down our claim to be the first Christian nation uh, in the Far East because many of our practices uh, are either borderline idolatrous or altogether idolatrous. Um, I was born in Manila, um, Tondo, Manila. <laughs> I, I grew up in Manila. I studied in Manila. I, I got married in Manila. I got saved in Manila. I'm, I'm, the, I'm from Imperial Manila. Uh, um, every January, uh, Manilenios celebrate uh, the Black Nazarene, the, the Feast of the Black Nazarene. Uh, millions of, of Filipinos uh, celebrate this Feast of the Black Nazarene. I, we have a ministry project that is going on in Puerto Princesa. Um, you, this you might not know. But on the same day that Manileño celebrate Black Nazarene, Puerto, the residents of Puerto Princesa also celebrate the White Nazarene. Okay? Mestizo yung nasareno nila doon sa Puerto Princesa. Um, and um, here in Cebu, also in January, uh, the, the Feast of Santo Nino and the devotion to Santo Nino is, is uncompromising and unflinching. And... Um, you may be here for the first time or you may be here visiting for a number of weeks already and maybe you claim to be a devotee of, of, of this. Um, I, I do not intend to offend your religion, but think about it. Okay, think about it because when, when we start worshiping these physical images of our God, we are violating the second commandment of God. And when we're replacing... Uh, replacing the true living God who wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth with some physical form, physical image, then God says, I am a jealous God and I will punish you for this. So let's, let's be careful uh, about, about that. But for the rest of us here, I am, sh I am assuming that you are here, you come here, you are members of this church and, and gather together on a regular basis, uh, that you have a faith uh, not on the physical images of Christ, but your faith rests on the living and loving God that we serve. And so I thank God for your faith. And I thank God that Jesus Christ lives in you. And I thank God that God has gathered a, a group of believers called Living Word Christian Church in a place like this and in several locations, people who are saved by grace through faith in a living God. I thank God for you. But at the same time, while I thank God for you, I pray that your faith will produce the kind of work that God expects from you. That you will not just sit there Sunday after Sunday, receive the blessings of God's Word, receive the blessings and the ministry of, of worship, 
and then go home, go about your week without doing anything for God. I pray that your faith will produce the kind of work that will make an impact in your family, in your workplace, in your schools, in your neighborhood. I pray that when people see you live out your faith in Christ, they will see the glory of God in your life. I pray that when people see the way you conduct your business, when they see the way you treat your children, when they, they hear the way you speak, they will see a demonstration of the greatness, the majesty, and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through your life. I pray that Cebu City will be so attracted to Jesus Christ and would decide to follow Christ because of what they know and what they see in your lives as members and, and attenders of Living Word Christian Church. That's the kind of impact that we, we are to have in this world. An impact through works that are produced by faith. Secondly, Paul says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love. Thessalonica was not a lovable place. It was not a tourist destination. Archaeologists tell us that most of the houses that they dug in the site where Thessalonica used to be, uh, those houses did not have any windows. People did not feel safe in Thessalonica. Crime was rampant. Prostitution was, was organized. And naturally, the, the female prostitutes got pregnant. And since they did not know how to abort babies back then, they, there were so many abandoned babies on the streets, especially baby girls, because uh, girls were not as physically strong as boys when they grow up, uh, and so they could not be used for, for labor. Okay? So uh, it was, it was a, a crime was rampant, it was an immoral place, and we read also in Thessalonians that the Thessalonians persecuted Christians severely. Christians were severely persecuted because of their faith. And it was in this totally unloving context that the Thessalonian Christians produced their works that were through faith and produced labor that was prompted by love. Love for God and love for the people in their city. This was really counterculture. Responding in love was revolutionary. This was not expected. And, and so it is no wonder Paul told them, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Because it was so unexpected for them to love the people in Thessalonica who were so unlovable. And, and who persecuted them. So their impact was seen and felt not only in their city, but in a wider region. Let me share with you briefly something about a friend of mine. His name is Eddie Payaron. Um, in the photo that we will be seeing here, uh, Eddie Payaron, Payaron is the guy, the guy there in the white shirt with the beaded necklace. Uh, Eddie Payaron is a Tiguahanon Manobo. There are about 100,000 Tiguanon Manobos in Bukidnon. Um, Eddie is the first uh, Tiguan Manobo to have finished college. He became a teacher, and when he earned his master's degree, and he was the first Tiguanon Manobo to earn a master's degree, actually the only one to have a master's degree, DepEd promoted him as a principal. Two years ago, the, his uh, Atigua Manobo uh, committed something bad against another tribe. And this tribe, in vengeance, decided to, to kill Atigua Manobo. And so a group of them searched, and the first Tigua Manobo that they found was the father of Eddie working in his field and they attacked and killed the father of Eddie. 
revenge killing that still continues to this very day in the Philippines. Okay, revenge killing, tribal wars, that still happens. Uh, Eddie was faced with various options. Option one was to continue the cycle of revenge killing, that he will bring his friends and find another member of the rival tribe and kill that person. And uh, that would be acceptable in their standards, and the cycle of killing will just continue on and on. Uh, that's option one. Option two was, was for him to just hold his peace, suffer in silence, and say, God will avenge. No? So just suffer in silence. Option three was for him to participate in the administration and the seeking of justice uh, through the efforts, efforts of the government uh, because his, his brother uh, is the Datu of the Tiguahanon Manobos. And they were already trying to, to bring this person, who, who, this murderer, to justice. He could participate in that. But Eddie did something so unexpected. He went to this rival tribe and said to them, I noticed that you don't have a school that your children are growing up illiterate. Uh, this is my plan. I plan to start a school for you. I have talked with the Department of Education. Let's start a school. And, and they were shocked at the offer because uh, they were actually ready to kill him. Uh, but, uh, but they started a school. And the school uh, started with... Uh, with with the classroom under classroom, no? but under the Nara trees in, in, in their area. Uh, and uh, because Eddie Payaron and, uh, is, is a friend of ours, uh, he, as he was sharing his, his uh, story, uh, the members of our small group, some of them are in this photo, we decided to contribute money. And so, through the funds that we were able to raise, we were able to build classrooms for this rival tribe. And now they're, they're, they're studying in these classrooms. When the, when the classrooms were inaugurated, of course, the depth ed was there. You know, and they were telling all, all, as if they were the ones who built the classrooms. Uh, but it was a labor of Eddie prompted by love, by love for God. I mean, he, he could not bear the thought of continuing revenge killing because of his faith in God. His love of God stopped him from, from doing what was natural to, to continue this cycle of killing, but instead respond in love for God and love for these people who do not know God. And he said, so maybe as we teach them they will, they will understand uh, Christian values, they will be able to read the Bible, and they will be able, able to, f to have faith in God, and that they will stop this, this cycle of revenge killings. That's, that, was, that is what he had in mind. You know who this reminds me of? This reminds me of all of us. No, all of us. We were sinners, lawbreakers, disobedient, rebellious against God. We were defiant. We were incorrigible. No, we were destined for wrath. But Romans 5.8 tells us God demonstrates His own love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And we sang about this earlier, right? I mean, the debt has been paid. Christ had paid our debt because of our sin. And, and so, um, whatever we do today, uh, we do in response to this great love for God. That whatever labor you do for one another here in, in, uh, in church ministries, whatever labor you do for your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, your classmates, uh, let it be prompted by your love for God. That because of the great love for you, 
the only response that you could do is to love God and to love others in return. That, that when, you, when you go to school, when you relate to your classmates, when you do your job in your business, in your offices, you, you do works that are prompted by love. And, and in our church, naturally, many of the things that we do are geared towards taking care of the members. And that's, that's, that's good. It's good that we take care of one another. And the Bible tells us to do that, to love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burden, admonish one another, and all of those one another commands, about 50 of them in the New Testament. It's good for us to care for one another and love for one another. But at the same time, we need to be reminded that our labor should not only be directed towards our fellowship, that God also calls us to, to extend this labor of love to people all around us, the community, the city, okay? and the world, actually. I pray that as a church, you will always remember that you have been called by God to reach out to people with love. I pray that your goals for the school that you have here will, will be governed by your love for God, by your love for the students, and love for their families, and not for financial gain. I pray that your ongoing building program will will be sustained by your vision of having a center from which the love of God will spread forth to the rest of the world. I pray that your Bible Institute uh, will, will be developed and built and established so that you will have more and more leaders and pastors who will go out into the whole the world, into the world uh, filled with the grace and truth and the love of God to, to be shared with everyone. And I pray that, God will, that the love of God will prompt you to take practical steps in helping solve the various problems of this city. Graft and corruption, illegal drugs, sex trafficking, child pornography, so many problems in this city. So is the life you now live producing the kind of labor that is prompted by love? Think about it. Thirdly, verse 3 again says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance inspired by hope. Life is not easy. What? Life is not easy. I see some people nodding. Life is not easy. It's, it's difficult. There, there are so many difficult, we have challenges, problems, difficult people. And so life can be very hard for, for many of us. Um, I, I grew up without a father at home. I mean, I, I had a father, uh, but he was an absentee father. He was always away. You know? I mean, we were based in Manila, but he was always working in, in northern Luzon for, uh, for a logging firm that I think was responsible for the deforestation of regions one and two. Uh, uh, and then when I was in grade five, he left the Philippines, he went, to, he went abroad to work as an overseas Filipino worker. And shortly thereafter, he left my mother. He ran away with his, with his secretary. And all sorts of problems resulted because of that. It's, uh, financial problems, emotional problems uh, with my younger siblings, and, and um, even spiritual problems. Life is not easy. And the Christian life as well is not a bed of roses. If you think the Christian life is easy, uh, uh, what, uh, what kind of life are you living? You know? So think about it. 
Uh, my wife, Dal, uh, became a Christian uh, when she was in college through the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ when she was studying at the University of the Philippines. And then, um, I mean, her, her family is a devout Roman Catholic uh, family. And uh, when she trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, it, it became difficult for her. I mean, she, naturally, she had to talk about her faith to her family members, and, and they were not happy about it. And then when she decided uh, to obey God into full-time ministry, she was disowned by her father. She was, she was, you know, pinalayas. Her, her, she had nine siblings, no? There were, they were ten brothers and sisters in all. And her father said to, to her, uh, as he was driving her out, dragging her out of their house, he said to her, now I only have nine children. You are dead to me. The Christian life can be difficult. It's very difficult. That's why we look to the Thessalonian Christians for inspiration. Because uh, life in general, Christian life in, in general is difficult. But we find here that in spite of the difficulties of life, they endured. They endured. And their, their endurance was based in, in hope. Okay? And hope is a very powerful thing. I read somewhere that, that we could survive without food for 40 days. We could survive without water for four days. We could survive without air for four minutes. But we could only survive for four seconds without hope. Hope. But the Thessalonian Christians had a hope that was strong, okay? Their, their endurance was inspired by the hope of Christ's return. Verse 10 tells us that they were waiting for God's Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The Thessalonian Christians knew that this world was not their eternal home that they were here only uh, for a brief period. They're, they persevered through suffering because they looked forward to a better future. They lived each day with a joyful and victorious attitude because of their hope in Christ. They were not despondent. They were not destitute. They were not depressed. They were strong in their hope because their hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And their endurance inspired by hope, made or helped them make a positive impact in their world. In Acts chapter 17, we read that when, when Paul first came to, the, to Thessalonica, when he started preaching the gospel, a great multitude was won to Jesus Christ, both Jews and, and Greeks. And this led to the establishment of the Thessalonica, Thessalonian church. The Jews in the city uh, became envious. They instigated a riot against Paul and Silas, and they said, these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Okay? These Thessalonian Christians who were persecuted, who were living in an unloved, unlovable context, endured through all the suffering of life, endured the persecution of their faith because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were not simply waiting and doing nothing until Christ returned. They turned their world upside down, right side up for the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been crucified with Christ and they no longer lived and the life that they lived, they lived to accomplish the purposes of God. I thank God for how Living Word, how you, all of you, the pastors, the members, the leaders of the church have endured through many years of challenges. And I'm sure that we could spend a whole week talking about uh, challenges, Pastor Mel, Sister Marie. We could talk about a lot of challenges in ministry. And I, I thank the Lord for how He has sustained you 
through the many challenges. The, 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 the good news, or maybe the bad news is, the challenges will continue. <laughs> and so, in order for you to, to make a, a positive impact through the many challenges that you will be facing, let's continue to pray. And let me start praying by, say, by saying this, Pastor, Sister Marie, and to everyone here, that I pray that you will endure with the patience of Noah. I pray that you will endure with the faith of Abraham. I pray that you will endure with the compassion of Moses. I pray that you will endure with the integrity of David. I pray that you will endure with the vision of Nehemiah. I pray that you will endure with the passion of Ezra. I pray that you will endure with the obedience of Peter. I pray that you will endure with the zeal of Paul. I pray that you will endure with the boldness of Stephen. I pray that you will endure with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is my prayer for you, brothers and sisters. And as we conclude this study, I want to point out two more points to summarize the impact of this Christian community in Thessalonica. Let's read verses 7 and 8 again. It says here, And so, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay, you look at the map, look at Macedonia, look at Achaia. It's a large portion of Asia Minor. Uh, the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. Verse 7 tells us that they, became, that they became a model to all believers. They made an impact in the greater community, the greater Christian community, not only in Thessalonica. And then verse 8 tells us that the Lord's message spread out through them everywhere. They made an impact in the lives of people who needed to hear salvation in Christ. And that is the kind of impact that we aspire for, individually and as a church, that our work produced by faith, that our, our labor prompted by love, and that our endurance inspired by hope will make a difference among believers in our community, outside of, of this building, throughout the city, throughout the country, and even throughout the world. And so let's spend time assessing ourselves. Let's investigate how we are in relation to these three, um, three, three truths about the faith of the Thessalonian Christians. Let's, let's evaluate ourselves. And uh, today, we are launching actually a survey uh, that we are encouraging uh, you to participate in. Uh, this is a, the link to an online survey that we are asking you to, to take part of. No? So uh, if you have your cell phones, take a picture of this link uh, and type this link on your browser, and it will lead you to a series of 25 questions and assessing the spiritual climate of Living Word Christian Church. I think on the elevators and maybe other portions, parts of the building, uh, we have this link also in a QR code. You could scan the QR code that will lead you direct to the website where you could take the survey. This survey is, is uh, confidential. We will not ask for your names. We will not store any personal information. In fact, we are not asking for any uh, personal information here, but we are doing this survey because we want to assess where we are as a church in, in, in regard to our relationship with God. Our, what are our spiritual needs? What are the challenges that you face? No, uh, what are, are the spiritual disciplines that, 
we need to, to focus on. So let me encourage you to take this survey. It will, it will take maybe about 10 minutes of your time uh, to do this survey, uh, depending on the speed of your internet, of course. Uh, but uh, 10 minutes. We'll do this until the end of November. Okay, so, but don't wait until the end of November, but, uh, uh, but your responses will help us in assessing the spiritual climate of our church and see how we can um, contribute to making a greater impact in our lives and out there in the world. Okay, so please, uh, we encourage you to, to participate in this survey. When our sons were growing up, my wife Dal will always speak words of blessing to them before they would leave for school or uh, go out with their friends. She would always say to them, you are a great man of the Lord, you are, you know, you are a young man of the Lord. And, and then as they would leave, she would say to them, go mad, go mad. This is actually the title of my message, if you're taking notes. No, this is the title of my message. And the boys knew what she meant. She meant, go and make a difference. And to this day, they're adults already, she continues to commission our sons. Oh, go mad. Go mad. And I believe that in their respective workplaces, in their group of friends, uh, they are making a difference. They're making an impact by the grace of God. So today, I leave you with this charge. Living Word Christian Church, go mad. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could go and make a difference only because you live in our hearts, you saved us by your grace, you have loved us unconditionally, and you have given us uh, the honor and the privilege of serving alongside you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us, who enables us to do everything that you want us to do, and that by your grace, O oh Lord, we pray that this whole new week, each one of us will be able to make a positive impact on the, in, in every context where you will place us, Lord, that we will, we will be able to, pro, to, to, to show works produced by faith, some labor prompted by our love for you, and, and that we will endure, that our endurance is inspired by our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his return. May everything that we do and say give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.